0: Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to HarvestWarrensburg.com. Man, well, today we we come together to, to celebrate Palm Sunday. You know, this is the, the day historically where Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. He rides in on a donkey and uh, his, what we call the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where He's coming in to celebrate the Passover. And it's significant for so many reasons, not the least of which is that this was going to be the last Passover he would get to celebrate at all. Because he was marching actually unto the cross. And where previously, he, knowing that they were after him to kill him, where previously he had avoided Jerusalem, now he was coming in boldly, without care or concern, triumphantly. The word says, and we know in this context that, that, that those who, who hailed his triumphal entry, that they, that their expectations were a wee bit off for their king, right? Believing that he was going to come in, you know, I mean, everything about the triumphal uh, infantry, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I skipped a couple of centuries. You know, everything about the triumphal entry actually declares that they believed this was the king who would ride in and who would conquer Rome and forever set Israel up. Not to be occupied, but to be the dominating force of the area again. Well, how many of you know their expectations were a smidge off? We've talked about this, isn't it? We've, we've talked about in the series that we were just in before about how our expectations can be off and, How many of you understand that they were reading the Bible and coming to wrong conclusions about what would happen? And those wrong conclusions left them in peril. Those wrong conclusions transformed a people who were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, to this king who they were uh, hailing upon entrance to Jerusalem. It left this same crowd in such turmoil that they turned at one point And instead of screaming Hosanna, screamed crucify, crucify. It's a great reminder to us of the previous series that we've been on in terms of how our expectations can get so far off. (laughs) How we can miss the mark. And how it can derail our faith. Jesus comes in, he boldly proclaims That now is the time for, this is John chapter 12, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. It says, let me make this clear, this is the Passion Translation, a single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and it dies, because then it sprouts and it produces a great harvest of wheat, all because the one grain died. Now he's prophesying about the death that he's about to march into, but he's also prophesying about your and my death. That's what we need to understand this morning. It continues, verse 25. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from the world and abandons himself to me, he's talking about himself, obviously, this is Jesus talking, will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciples, follow me, and you will go where I'm going. And if you truly follow me as my disciples... The Father will shower his favor upon your life. So often we, we, we look at what's represented in the, in the kingdom, uh, in the Bible, and, and we refer to it as the upside-down kingdom. And the reason we refer to it from that is because it's so contrary uh, to what we find perpetuated in the world. Like In, in the world, it's, it's all about me. It's all about what I'm going to accomplish. It's all about number one, am I right? You know, it's like uh, we're, we're going to take another step on the, the ladder on the rung and uh, I'm going to prosper come hell or high water and I don't care if I step on somebody to get to the next place because it's all about me. It's all about serving me. But how many of you know in the kingdom, it's not all about serving you. It's about serving others. Amen. In the kingdom, it's not all about self and exalting me and my needs and my comforts. It's actually all about Jesus. Because I've been bought with a price, because I'm not my own, I am his. It's the upside down kingdom. What what I love about this though is, is Jesus is suggesting to us, he's saying, if you want to step into the blessed life, if you want to step into this place where you're seeing the favor of God released over you, then you, you all, you have to die. That's the message. It's not about you exalting yourself. It's not about you working harder. It's not about you, you know, getting your college education. It's not about you advancing down the, or up the ladder. It's not about you prospering and going after those things. And, you know, it's not about those things. It's about you laying your life down, and this is contrary to the message that we hear in the world. What I love about it is that Jesus isn't just calling us to be slaves. He, he isn't just saying, you know, listen, suckers, I bought you with a price, and you're going to do what I tell you to do. So lay your life down. You don't have a choice. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to prosper, this is the pathway, not that. And, and I and I love that it. it. it's like, because here, we are bought with a bride. At the end of the day, we are slaves. He's our master. It is what it is, right? But he doesn't leave us there. He goes, no, 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 I'm so for you that I'm showing you the pathway to God pouring out his favor in your life. And this pathway, like this place to, to you actually stepping into the things that are on your heart, the desires of your heart, the pathway is you have to lay your life down. There's a sacrifice in that. We have to lay our lives down. I love that he doesn't just leave his hanging. I love that he's saying, no, the desires of your heart are here. Here's the pathway to it. Well, what are the desires of our heart? I mean, honestly, if you boil it down, is it not security? Doing well in this life? <laughs> Being able to take care of ourselves and our families? I mean, isn't that what we want? Like, boil all the fat off all the other stuff and pride and you know, our egos and... I just, want, I just want to do all right. I just want to know that my life meant something, right? That it accounted for something. Like I, at, at the end of the day, you know, you want to be able to sit on your deathbed and go, you know what? I lived for purpose. I accomplished something. Like, I was born for purpose and I stepped into it. I, I, I accomplished something. He's saying, if you want to step into the desires of your heart, these, like, these normal like desires that are in every human heart, to be secure, to prosper, to to advance in the kingdom, to just be fulfilled before him in that which I've been created to do. He's saying you have to die. You have to lay down your life because it's not about you. In fact, he's saying the only way to find your life is to lay down your life. It tells us this in Matthew. We actually have to die. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Anybody in here want to find their life today? This is the prescription. I need a second dose. This idea, this idea of losing our life, it largely brings us to this idea of abiding, of abiding in Christ, which Pastor Misty introduced to us last week. And I want you to hear that. You losing your life is the concept of abiding. Like it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Is that real, or is it just some words in a book? Right? This is the way. This is what it looks like to advance in the kingdom. This is what it looks like to be a Christ one, a Christian. And I believe that if we lay down our lives, we get, we kind of have three things that we get in return. Three responses, three manifestations of this in our life. The first one is this. And I suppose you could say it like this to in a nutshell. You could just say this. When we abide in him, when we lay down our lives, we start to look like him. We start to look like him in our compassion. We start to look like him in our compassion and the grace that we walk in and the love that we walk in towards others. We start to look like him in the way that we relate to other people. Closely related is the second thing. We begin to manifest his character. We actually get to step into character. As he is, so are we. That character is expressed through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about briefly towards the end today. And then the last thing I think is this. You get his power. What happens when you abide in Christ? He empowers you. I mean, Jesus says, like, as the Father in heaven has sent me, so I send you. He says, all power, all authority has been granted to me in heaven and earth, so I now send you. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm sending you to be like I was. I'm commissioning you to pray mighty, amazing, like giant slaying, mountain crumbling prayers, and I'm empowering you to be able to do it. Remember the stories in the Gospels. They, it, Jesus is looking at a fig tree. He speaks to it, "You'll never produce figs again." The disciples that came behind, there were like, "Oh, Jesus, this tree that you cursed, it, it's withering and it's dying." And he says, "Oh, guys, you think this is a big deal? No, I'm telling you. When you become like I am in this earth, you just speak to the mountain, that thing would be removed into the sea. We're giant slayers." Mountain crumblers commissioned with this prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. He releases us in power to be his ambassadors from heaven to make this place look like that place. How many of you like that job description? I'm only going to have time to talk about the first couple of things. And with that, You know, I, I look back over my life, and honestly, I can hardly recognize the guy I used to be. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time now. Anybody identify with that? You know, I, I, I look back, and I just, honestly, and I'm struck usually when I see my children, you know? I see my children, and I think, I was doing what at your age? My, I just, it's inconceivable. I just, I don't even, under, I don't even understand, I'm thinking like, I, I, I can't get my head around it as I see my own children being raised up in Christ in the way that they should go. I think, I did what? You know, the further I go and the, the more distance that gets between the man that I am today and the man that I was in the beginning, I find that it's easy to forget where I've come from. Anybody identify with that? You know, the further you go, you just, you kind of just, you start to lose track of it. You start to, you start to forget where you started. You know, you, you start to forget that when you got into this thing, you weren't perfect. <laughs> you, you start to forget that you didn't have it all figured out when you got in. Right? That there were still some things in your mind that needed to be Renewed. Something magical didn't happen. Like, there wasn't a line. And sometimes this is what we believe. We believe that, like, oh, okay, like, the, this person got saved. And we understand that over here, your righteousness is in a filthy rags. Like, okay, we get that. But now you've crossed the magical line and everything's 100% different. And you, like, you should be 100% different. You should think differently. You should act differently. You should respond to people differently. Immediately. And we forget. We forget that we didn't. We forget that when we started, we were still a mess. We, I, like, I used to, I used to like, in the very beginning of my walk with Christ, I still thought it was okay to sleep around. I got it figured out pretty quick. But how many of you know there's a process called renewing your mind, called sanctification, and we have all walked it out, but how quickly we forget of what the process is. And the further that we go, the more prone to being judgmental we can become. And we see these people who have crossed this magical line. And because we step into the kingdom, all of a sudden we have eyes of truth. We see things differently. Our, our eyes have literally been opened and, and stuff that made sense before doesn't make sense now. And especially the further that you go, it really doesn't make any sense. I can't believe I did those things. Your eyes have been opened, but the more your eyes are open to truth, and the, kind of the more you become like him, the, the easier it is to lose touch with the way that you thought, with the way that you were. And sometimes we superimpose the way that we are on, on top of those who are at the very beginning of their journeys. And sometimes, from our judgmental viewpoints, we even look back at these folks and we say, Well, I did it. Why can't you? Sometimes we get so far and so arrogant as to say, oh, it was actually harder for me. You've got this little pebble that you need to get over. I went over a mountain. What's wrong with you? Get it together. And we forget that this thing is a process. We forget that it takes time. We, we forget that, that we renew our minds by the reading of the word. And I don't know about you all, but I'm not a fast reader. <laughs> That means it's going to take me a little bit of time just to even read it, but it's more than just reading it. It's reading it and digesting it. He says, eat the scroll, get it on the inside of you, become one with it until my thoughts are your thoughts. Until when you're squeezed like that, what comes out of you is the word, my ways of the kingdom. Now, how many of you know that takes time to get there? It's not a magical pill that I get to take on the front end. There's a process whereby my mind is renewed and I'm becoming like him. I'm actually being fashioned by the Father into his likeness. Here's the thing, when I spend time abiding in his presence, I should become like him. And when I look at him, he's gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's quick to love. That's what I see in God. And if I'm supposed to be like him, then I need to be like that. I need to be gracious and compassionate with people. And here's what I find. I find that when I'm spending time in his presence, in other words, when I'm abiding in him, when I'm intentional to go after him, I'm intentional to lay my own life down to exalt his in my life, when I'm setting my mind on him, it comes a whole lot easier. It comes a whole lot easier. Let me pause there to bring you into Galatians chapter 6. This is our anthem. Listen to how it says this here. It says, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. I want to pause momentarily simply to say it's telling you that this is what maturity looks like. You who are spiritual, what does it look like? Does it look like critical condemning judgments? Does it look like heaping up loads that people can't carry? Does it look like, well, I did it so you ought to be able to do it? What's wrong with you? It doesn't look like anything like that. Brethren, if any of you is caught in any trespass, so brethren, so it's talking about it's talking about believers. So there are believers that are around you who are caught in a trespass; they're sinning actively in your midst. It says, "You who are mature, here is your like here are your marching orders. This is how you're to respond to people, not with con- critical condemning judgments, but in compassion." Listen to what it says: "You who are spiritual, restore such a one. Restoration is always at the beginning of the process; it's always the aim of the process." Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one of you looking to yourselves so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. How many of you know that Christ actually calls us into a place where we get in the trenches with people and we actually get our hands dirty? That discipleship actually requires me not to judge the people that are coming through the door as, "Mm, you know what, You you haven't jumped through enough hoops yet. You don't look enough like him. Not to judge them, but to come alongside of them. It actually says to bear their burdens together with them. What does that mean? It means I'm getting right down and dirty, right in the middle of the stuff. And love compels me to grab my arm around them and walk with them and go, no, you're better than this. God has better than this for you. The word of God says this over you, not that. Let's break that lie off your life. You're, You're coming alongside of them. You're getting yourself dirty. You're not throwing out critical condemning judgments. This is what it looks like to love. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. And listen, I want to submit to you, Harvest, I know we have a lot of guests here, but I'm telling you, I've raised you better than that. (laughs) I, I long for a day, and you guys have done so well, but I'm admonishing you to continue and to excel still further. When people walk through the front door of this church with whatever baggage they're walking through, and your first thought isn't to go, oh, I don't know why they came here but rather you're moved to compassion such that you're willing to get in the trenches with them and begin the process of dirty discipleship until they come into the likeness of Christ. (laughs) I I, I long for the day, now listen carefully, I long for the day when homosexuals can walk through the door and I don't have people going, "Mm, I don't know about those people, and then everybody avoids them. I long for the day when drug addicts can walk through our door and we don't go, ooh, God, I don't have time for that. I don't want anything to do with that. I I long for the day when hurting and broken people can come into this place and what they find is not this garbage response of the world or what is like mixed up in the church, but it's the response of people who are carrying love and who are modeling it and who are willing to lay their lives down for the one who means everything to bring other people into what they've got. And this is who you are. This is who Christ calls you to be. This is Harvest Church. This is what we stand for. This is what Jesus has prescribed for you to be. You're different. And I want the world to know that you're different. And I want the fruit of this house to proclaim we're different here. Everybody's welcome here. Not because we're allowing you or we're... Entertaining your sin, but because we love the way that Christ loves, and that means we're getting right in the middle of it with you. I find it fascinating that in the middle of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, it says this: it says, Each one of you, you need to look to yourself, lest you too be tempted. What's it saying? saying we have to come with humility not judgment because the truth in this room is this everybody in this room is this close if the circumstances were exactly perfect we are this close to falling away ourselves everybody in this room I don't care the apostle Paul said I am not coming to tell you that I've arrived yet If the apostle Paul hasn't arrived none of you have either we haven't arrived yet. If the circumstances presented themselves just perfectly, everybody in here is a hair breath away from doing what the apostle Peter did. I don't even know the man. But for his grace. But for his grace. So we come with Humility. Listen, when the apostle Paul saw sin in the Corinthian church, he didn't come in heavy-handed, as some suppose. It says, actually, he spent hours weeping before God and interceding for the soul of the one in transgression. If our response before God is critical judgmental behavior, and it's not brokenness over their sin, and then a willingness to intervene and to intercede and to come alongside, I'm telling you, we got to spend more time in the presence because we didn't get it the first time. This is what he calls us to. And listen, it says in the Bible, they will know, the, they will know us by our love. Notice in Galatians 6.1 that it says when you come in humility, when you come in gentleness, when you come with a willingness to bear the burdens of those who are family, it says you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love. love. It's love. They will know you by your love. Then that's this, this is the prescription. Of course, there's good works. Of course, there's all those things. But if you're missing this, you're missing the whole package. Listen, he was gracious and compassionate with every one of us. He was, he's, I've never had God come and show up as a big, like flaming fire with a big rod saying, I'm going to crush you. I've never had that happen. You know what has happened? I've had God show up and come alongside of me and say something like, This isn't you. You're better than this. Let me show you this word. This is who you are. I've empowered you for everything. I've given everything that you need for life and godliness. It's all there. I've provided a way of escape for every temptation that will come before you. And nothing you're experiencing is different than that which everybody else is experiencing. But my grace empowers you. My grace teaches you. He's gracious towards me. And I thank God for it. Otherwise, at any moment, I would just be a pile of dust. But for his grace, I would be a pile of dust. And so would you. So would you. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. He's so good. Lest we swing the pendulum too far in one direction, I want to say this too. Romans makes it super clear. That just the fact that He's so gracious and kind towards us, it does not give us a license to sin. And this is like—it's called sloppy grace to go. Oh, You're so good and amazing that I can just do whatever I want. No, no, You can't. That's not the way it works. No, You—in fact, it should be exactly the opposite. You're so gracious and compassionate. I know that at any second You could smite me, and I'd just be a pile of dust, and I would deserve it. But you don't. You're so good, and you being so good, it actually inspires me to reciprocate and love, and to go. I know I'm coming after you. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay those things down. I'm gonna go harder. I'm gonna pluck out my eye. I'm gonna do whatever it takes because you're worthy of it. I don't know. I gotta slip into. I can just, I just do whatever I want to do. He said, "Oh, this is great." And he just said, "All his, his blood covers it all." No. If that's our response, then I would question if we've met him at all. It's not a license to sin. It should propel me to love even harder, to go, oh God, I'm so endeared to you. Like you could, have, you, could have, you could have just wiped me from the face of the planet, but you didn't. You've been so gracious. You've been so kind. You've been so patient. And I want to pour my life out back to you. I want to lay my life down for you. That should be the response of every Christian. Check this out. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jesus. TDJ. Somebody's just say T. D. Jigs. That's what I call this, my T. D. Jigs towel. You to get it? Yeah, yeah. That's how you know you're preaching, you know? That's how you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of leads us into the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Whose fruit is it? Fruit of the Spirit. Huh? They were right the first time. And the second time. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? That means, you know, how many of you know that when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came and lived on the inside of you? You know? whether you felt any different, whether it looked different, whether you heard big bells and whistles and lightning bolts in the sky, doesn't matter what you believe, it happened. Yeah. Right. Holy Spirit went on the inside of you. When you abide in Him, you get His fruit. In other words, that means it's always accessible. It's always available to you. You want to know whether or not you're abiding in Christ? Here's your litmus test. The fruit of the Spirit, we find it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 3. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, I'm starting to notice a theme. It's love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice it doesn't say critical, condemning, judgmental. Does not say? say any of that kind of stuff? Anybody ever been in a quiet time and your kids interrupt you? You're like, yes, Lord Jesus, you're so good. Hey, you! you probably need to spend a few more minutes in there, right? You know? I saw a meme this, this last week. A guy, he was singing. He was like, exalt you. Woman, get out of my way! He's driving down the road. I'm like, oh God, I'm, that's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I do this. <laughs> you know." But here's the point. <laughs> if it's the Holy Spirit's fruit and if I get that fruit when I abide in Him, what happens when I don't seem to be able to access that fruit? Okay. And when I need to call on patience, it's a little bit harder to find when I haven't been abiding in him. When I haven't been willing to turn off the TV set and stop with all the so many things that keep me busy and distracted. When I'm not abiding in him, it's a whole lot more difficult to remain patient when that woman is pushing my buttons in traffic. It's always a woman. (laughs) Just, this side, this side erupted in praise. I, I'm so sorry. Like you guys were a little somber, Diana. I expect a smile. You know me by now. I'm just playing with you, all right? Just playing with you. It's harder to access patience, right? It's 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 harder to access goodness and kindness when your spouse says something that on the inside of you makes you want to respond and exchange evil for evil. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to access gentleness and kindness if you haven't been spending time in his presence, if you haven't been spending time going after him and, and abiding him, making him the main thing, the only thing. It's harder to have self-control. In fact, I'd say these things are they're incredibly hard to come by. Yes, Lord, we hear you. <laughs> it's hard to have self-control. It's hard to say no to your flesh and your desires when you haven't spent time with him. Where do I get self control? By abiding in Him. Amen. By abiding in Him. Making Him the only thing. That's where it comes from. And yes, as I pursue Him, as I spend time abiding with Him in maturity, that fruit becomes mine too. Because I'm being sharpened into His likeness. Every opportunity that's before me, every battle that I win, actually lays that fruit to my account. I've been becoming like Christ. But I have access to it from day one. Because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. Amen? I'll go ahead and land the plane with this. We're entering into the Easter season. It's a memorial season, right? In communion, he says, Do this in remembrance of me. That's what we're doing. I want to admonish you as you are remembering how Christ, what he did, the extravagance of your salvation, the magnificence of God in your life, his, his patience and his, his kindness, his goodness towards you when he didn't have to be like that. When you're thinking through the way that God has dealt with you, I want you to measure the way that you're dealing with people in your sphere against the way that he's dealt with you. And in some cases, if necessary, repent because we haven't always looked like him. If I don't know anything else, I know this. I know that the more time I spend with him, the more I look like him. So if I don't look like him yet, I need to spend more time with him. It's as simple as that. Well, Christianity is not nearly as complicated as we've made it, is it? I mean, at the end of the day, love God, love people. How do I love God? Abide. How do I love people? Abide. Throw out all the rest. You got what you need. Amen? Amen. Father, we ask that you would ignite us in our faith and our tenacity, that you would fully manifest the fruit of Holy Spirit in our lives love and joy, that we would lead out with love, that our response to those around us would be gracious and compassionate, we would be slow to anger, that we would be rich in love as you are rich in love, that we would be gentle, that we wouldn't be judgmental, we would be gentle. We would not look upon other people's sins and look down on them. Rather, we'd reach out our hand and pull them in to who they're created to be without all of the censure. and Help us, God, to walk in humility, to see people the way that you see it, to not see the glaringly obvious sin in some cases, but to see you in them, to see them as you see them, to see the potential that's there, and to walk humbly and gently before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.